So welcome back again to Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Gilly. And this week we are going to broadcast part three of my interview with Father John Roach. Last time, Father John had just left Malawi after serving his 20 years as a missionary there. We recorded this interview during one of the storms we experienced early on this year, so at a few points in the interview, the sound is a little bit weak, but the message is very strong. So enjoy Father John as he shares the rest of his journey with us today. And so you had to leave that behind, and you're now in Zambia, did you say, Father? What, what happened then? Uh, well, no, all, all I did, I, I spent a few days in Zambia. That was basically a preparation to go home. Okay. Uh, um, I, I, I sort of, I felt very much, especially for my family, that uh, they were paining. And I just sort of, I, I felt you know, it's more important now to get home. Yeah. So I spent about three or four days maybe, and I, I prepared to go home. Um, I knew that there was sort of some media attention an interest in in the case. Uh, so again, Brendan Rogers helped me there because he, he noticed that I was very maybe traumatized in a way by the whole experience. And he said, write it out. Uh, write out whatever you want to say. Uh, so when I arrived in Dublin, indeed, the Archbishop was there, the Archbishop uh, Cardinal Connell was there, and um, my own society were there, and the press were there. I always remember the first... Uh, the first point I said, I said, this is like a death for me. Now, I didn't realize maybe how true that was, because in, in a way, in the next two years, I had to sort of go through, in a way, a mourning period. Um, I left something I loved, and um, I, I would say it as a sort of a mourning period for me. Um, so I was... Um, my own society were there. They were very supportive and very... Um, yeah, very encouraging. So I, I just we, we had the press conference. Then we went. I went to my brother's house, and uh, after a few days, I had to go to Rome. Uh, I had to start a report to Rome, and uh, my own society gave me the vicar general, uh, Father Galuli, at that time to accompany me, which I was very pleased with because uh, you feel very vulnerable at that time, and I felt very vulnerable. Um, so it was great to have a brother. Uh, beside me and uh, uh, to be able to share uh, share with that. Uh, so I spent a few days in Rome, you know, reporting to the different offices there. Um, I found it difficult enough to gauge whether they were in favour of it or not. I felt the conversation had changed, mm -hmm. that, uh, that it wasn't as supportive of maybe as I expected. Uh, and yet there were signs that there were. I just found it difficult enough to, to gauge um, where that was. So um, I, I spent a few days there, and they were saying, we're going to work to get you back. Um, and uh, But I sort of knew that uh, this wasn't going to happen, certainly wasn't going to happen in the short term. Um, so I, I went, I did a little three months course in London, in uh, Totteridge, uh, and... Then I had to go back to certain sort of things. And they were sort of saying I was still in charge of the diocese. So I used to call out some of the leaders to Zambia. and We'd have a day or two together. But it was very unsatisfactory. Uh, I'm absolutely convinced that if you have to lead somewhere, you have to be there. You, you have to have 
you have to have uh, you know feeling for what's happening on the ground. Um, and I found that very difficult, even though I was getting reports and things like that. Uh, it was very clear that I I wasn't on the pulse. I was uh, the pulse wasn't wasn't with me. Um, so I did that for for two years and two and a half years. I uh, to me it was analogous to being in a sort of limbo situation. I found it very difficult to um, uh, to settle into anything because. Uh, like Rome was saying, you're still in charge. I wasn't there. I was trying to do little bits in Ireland. So limbo was, was for me would have been the the best image. I would have. It was a prolonged period of limbo. And yet, at the same time, you believed within yourself that the whole time, your whole experience, you had been led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, I I have no doubt about that, John. And uh, like people used to say to me, um, you know, how did this happen? Because they, even within Malawi, it were the people sort of knew us as an Episcopal conference and they, they doubted that this would have happened at all. And I kept sort of saying, and some of them would say, oh, well, it's, it's John. It's John. John has been the, the driving force behind us. And I used to say, it's not John. It's, it's, it's the spirit of God. It's the spirit of freedom. It's a spirit that calls us to, to, uh, to freedom and to joy and to respect for one another. And I'm totally convinced about that. I don't think it would have ever happened. If it was just left up to John, that would not have happened. It happened because the spirit intervened and the spirit was active at that moment. And like one of the gifts of the spirit is unity. And uh, if you know anything about Episcopal conferences, you cannot send out an Episcopal letter unless there is unity in the in the conference that we were of one voice and that we all signed that document together to me is the utter uh, proof that it is of of the spirit and I, I suppose it like eventually it brought me into a whole you know a whole meditation about you know uh, i was too being invited i was a good friday person so I, I don't know if you ever read there's a book called good friday people by uh, cassidy sheila cassidy uh, it's an old book. She was abducted in South America. I think it was El Salvador on Good Friday. And she writes a Good Friday, a novel, not a novel, a book called Good Friday People. And I would be very conscious of, you know, that, that powerlessness, that vulnerability, um, uh, that sort of being, being, being used, uh, that day became a real reality. And I, I, I sort of felt... This was an invitation to uh, to to know the Christ at a different level, uh, uh, crucifixion and you know uh, suffering. I, I I sort of I feel now uh, it's in me. It's part of me. I don't just talk about it. I've lived it, um, and I've also lived res- resurrection because not only am I alive, but I'm a wiser person. Uh, because of this experience, and some people might look at it and say, "Oh, you know, it it, uh, it was a very di- it was a difficult, very difficult experience." But uh, surely, suffering and crucifixion for Jesus was a very difficult experience. So I, I think I have um, I've experienced what Good Friday means, and I know sort of in my flesh that this is what Good Friday means. And um, but thankfully too. I also know what resurrection means.
So when we speak about these things now, it's not just from a book, it's from the heart, from my spirit. So just returning to your story there, uh, you spent a few years in Ireland, and then did you return to Africa again, Father John? Yeah, actually, I returned. Um, they asked me, the society then asked me if I would go to Zambia. Um, there was, a, there was a, one of our people had to come home, and there was a parish there that was without uh, a minister, without a priest for the full year. So I said I would go back. I, I, I was very conscious that I had a choice. Um, like some people say, well, you won't go back to Africa. Any Africa has hurt you. So uh, Africa never hurt me. Certain people hurt me. Uh, but my experience of Africa and of its of its beautiful people has been predominantly a very positive and a very grateful. And I'm very times and years I've spent in in Africa, a wonderful continent and a, a graced people. Um, so I went. I, I said, yeah, I'll go back. So I spent three years in a parish on the outskirts of Lusaka. Uh, anybody who was listening, it was great, off the Great North Road. Uh, it was called Cabanana. And that was my first time back in parish for a number of, a long time, 20 years or something. I, John, I really enjoyed it. It, it renewed me. And it brought me back to what the church is really about, and what a priest is really about. Um, yeah, we... we I felt myself moving more and more into a very good space. And um, it's funny, we've had a lot of vocations to the priesthood uh, from that parish. And some of them would say, well, it was your witness. And I'm very conscious that uh, I was, you know, I was was just uh, filled for being back with these people, journeying, burying them, baptizing them, doing their marriages. It was, a, it was just wonderful to be back in that sort of an ordinary people and celebrating our faith and celebrating the reality of Jesus in their lives. So um, I was three years there. Um, I had to come home to get a hip done uh, because I think uh, some people would say trauma hits you in different places, but I think it hit me in my hips uh, even though I was a football, I come home to get that done. And while I was home, they, they asked me what I went to the formation of our priests. And I sort of knew, you know, that maybe I might have a gift in that area. And I agreed to do it. And then they said to go to Nigeria. Now, I, I wasn't ready for Nigeria, to be honest. I spent all my time in Central Africa and I didn't know much about Nigeria. But anyway, I said I will go. So I spent seven years in Nigeria accompanying uh, our young candidates for the priesthood to our own society. Um, They would have been from different parts of Nigeria. And um, I came to love that program and to love the young men. I mean, they were very generous young men. And uh, like I found vocations in, in Nigeria are still fairly abundant. Uh, now, we did a good selection process. But for seven, seven, seven years, roughly, I accompanied these young men. I was sort of spiritual director. and um, oh, I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed that time. And I got to, I, I didn't enjoy the, the, the climate of Nigeria that much. It's, it, it's too humid. But uh, I enjoyed these people and their vibrancy and their creativity and their uh, never say die sort of attitude. Um, so they were great years, um, and uh, I worked together with uh, one of our priests from Kerry, 
I'm one of the indigenous uh, priests as well. So uh, I was I was basically seven years there. I came out of that then. We normally would, that's all. Generally, people in formation work only do maybe six or seven years and you're given a break. So after that then, um, I took a break for a little bit and they asked me when I go to our theology house in, in Nairobi. And uh, I was a bit surprised, to be honest with that. Um, but I sort of felt I'd done my bit. But anyway, I, I went and I was five years there, um, enjoyed it again. I mean, it's not a privilege to accompany anybody, but to accompany young men maybe who are trying to discern, is this what they want and what God wants for them? Is It's a very sacred place and it's a very, uh, it's a very, I suppose, big responsibility in a way. But I, I really enjoyed that very much. And I did five years. Uh, came home and then they appointed me to England. I did a bit of work in England and promotion. And then in uh, 19, was it 16? They asked me would I go back to the theology house for a few more years. Uh, again, I was surprised because uh, I was getting up to 70 at that stage. And you sort of say, well, as director of theology, am I not like a, a little old for it? Um, but again, I tried to listen to the to the spirit. I, I was always struck by that uh, the oldest swinger in town, that song. I felt that I was the oldest formator in town, and I certainly was the oldest director in town. Back for three years, and uh, again, I must say, uh, there were good years. And in a way, it sort of felt for me somehow as if it was completion now. That somehow after five years, I didn't feel something that I had completed at all, but I felt that I had completed it now. And uh, in May this year, I handed over to one of our young Nigerian priests, who is the new director of the Theology House in uh, in Nairobi. And I am back now. The journey has come in a way full circle. Uh, I'm back in a throne. Um, not sure what I, what lies ahead of me. Um, what I want or what the Lord wants, but that will unfold in its own time. For the moment, I'm just happy to be around here, to rest, and to meet old friends. Father John, just listening to your story growing up there in the 50s and 60s and to your experience in Africa, and now back in Ireland in 2020, talk to us about how lived faith was experienced in younger days in Ireland and your experience of faith now in Ireland, and maybe what we can learn from how the people in Africa live their faith. Well, I, I suppose, John, coming home, anyway, for the, for the first thing that really strikes you is the reality of COVID-19. Um, mm. there's, a, there's a lot of, I, I think, a lot of fear and anxiety out there. It, it's, it's, uh, it's very strange when you, you know, we had it in Kenya when I, before I left. Um, so uh, I, I think that, but it did just strike me. I suppose I think there's two things that strike me: that you know, faith has been centered in Jesus Christ, and that, like that, that I'm not, I'm not sure how many people sort of really explore, you know, what it means to be in relationship to Jesus. I think we have, like, church is not firstly about ritual. Or it's not firstly about laws. It's firstly about relationship. And at the heart of the gospel is our relationship with Jesus Christ. And our relationship with ourselves. Our relationship with one another. Our relationship with all of creation. 
And uh, I think in some of our training and some of our teaching uh, over the years, I think we have sort of centered too much on laws and rituals and that people don't sufficiently see religion as being, you know, something that's life-giving, something that's freeing, and that's something that really enables me to touch into the very divine within myself and to, to the very core of who I am. So I think that that's one thing that we haven't done in Ireland. And like, you know, we, we've had problems over the last number of years, whether that's uh, child abuse and all of that. But uh, I think maybe at times people are rejecting church for the wrong reasons. I don't, I'm not sure whether they have really explored it for themselves and really sat with it and maybe sat with the Bible. Like Pope Francis is, is inviting us to be, you know, to, to walk with the Bible. Uh, do we know the Bible? In the last 50 years, we've been invited again to explore the Bible, and I think most of our Catholics still don't know the Bible very much at all. So I think that that's one area. I think the other area is, you know, people talk about the lack of priests, but like, is and in the now maybe are are we being invited to a new model of church? Like, is the church about priests, or is it about community, and is it about communion? And like, you know, I, I'm here in Atlone, and uh, I think there's in the friaries about seven or eight priests. I do, they're more than sufficient priests. Uh, but where are the late? I still think that we, we haven't allowed or provided avenues for where the laity can truly like Pope Francis speaks so beautifully about the primary vocation is the vocation of our baptism we are children of God that's our primary vocation and any other vocation whether it's to married life or to be a nurse or to be a priest is adding something onto it but unless the primary one is really vibrant and alive there there'll be something I think lacking in the others I would love to see the laity responsibility and I would love to see the leadership of the church in Ireland providing real avenues of co-responsibility, of team ministry, of working together and of truly being a family of faith. And Fadi, you know, I, I was just thinking there also during, during what you just said and, uh, and earlier, has the vocation of a priest changed in any way, do you think, from when you were ordained? Uh, if, if it there's something wrong because I, life changes the church changes change is part of change is part of, of reality is part of it's part of of uh, part of the journey I like as, as we've often learned the, the mature person is a person who has changed often but the mature community is a community that has changed often so I think priesthood has to change and I, you know, I, 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 I think you do see. So I, I think priests would maybe much be much more about, you know, enabling, inviting, challenging. Um, you know, all of us, and that means a certain. I think we have the priest has to let go of things, um, and to allow uh, the laity. I think to, uh, you know, to take the rightful role, and and, and like when we're talking then about dialogue and responsibility that has to be real it cannot be just words and I think at times people feel it is words so I think the role of the priest 
he will always be there as that man of ritual. But it's the ritual not just of the altar, it's the ritual of communion, and it's the ritual of community. And so he's there to, to be, uh, you know, another animator among many in the area of, of communion and of community. So he, I think it has changed. And I think, you know, people talk about the, the, the now of Ireland. I think the spirit always uh, in, invites us to growth. And I think the spirit is, changed, is saying to we as priests and to, the, and to the community. Because I think, too, very many, it's like, maybe, like, it's even good to be able to talk to you. Here's a channel now that I, that, that, that you, as, you as a lay person and the people involved in Spirit Radio are, are spreading the word. But, like, there's wonderful people throughout Ireland, the length and breadth of Ireland, who I think they have so many gifts. And maybe for them to ask themselves the question, what gift can I provide for the community? What is the particular gift and the unique gift that only I can provide for this community? And that we as priests provide the attitude, uh, avenues, provide the opportunities for that man or woman to blossom in their own and that he would be that sort of the bringer together of all the different charisms that are there for the good of the kingdom and for the good of God's people. Really, by by yourself, Father John, after just listening to your story there and the various challenges and the various avenues that you were led in your life, that was led by the Holy Spirit, but also supported in the Holy Spirit. And I suppose that's something that we should all always not forget, that we're not doing this, as, as you said earlier on yourself, on your own, Father John. The Holy Spirit's there behind you all the time. Father, yeah, well, I'd be just, John, I'd be very conscious that you know, that thing of a man God with us. Mm-hmm. The, the, the name that Jesus was given is God with us. Yeah. And he said to us, you're never alone. My spirit will be with you always. And I would be very conscious of that, you know, for all of us. And uh, I think we need to sort of really sit with that and allow it to penetrate and allow it to anoint us with confidence and with hope and with trust. Leading on from what we've just spoken about there, those few points there, how do you see evangelization taking place in the year 2020? Um, I, I think predominantly, I would think maybe of two ways. My, the whole, this whole pandemic has brought to the fore um, like the, the internet uh, and you know how that can be used very positively uh, for evangelization. Like the number of people I'm around, I can say, well, I, I look into the mass there, I have the rosary there. And I think we need to explore that more and more. I think there's avenues there of that, that are waiting to be tapped further. And, you know, well done to Spirit Radio. Uh, I, I think that all of that is one area that evangelization has to, has to, uh, to happen. I also don't think that you can never get away from the witness I think the witness aspect of it, and that's men and women living in a particular way, making choices uh, in you know uh, for the good of people, and and I, I think we have to be brave enough and honest enough to continue sort to of say I am a witness to the risen Lord, I am a witness to the alive Lord. Jesus is alive, and so I don't. I think we have to marry. We, like I, I'm just uh, 
very aware when I go down to see visit people. Um, a lot of them are, are are not young anymore, but they're so happy just to see people. And then people talk about the young people bringing you know food in the pandemic to uh, maybe to people who are housebound. That we would see that as a you know an outreaching of the spirit. It, it may not be the language that we're used to, but we need new language. We need new time. So uh, to me, that they would be the two primary ones. I think we really have to explore more and more the whole of media, of the Internet. I did a mass in uh, Nairobi before uh, Zoom mass. Hmm. Uh, it was my first time to do it. So like I, I'm being challenged as well, like to, 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 to learn about these sort of things even in my, in my 70s. Um, but that would be one. But I don't think we can ever sort of uh, underplay the power of witness. And I would love, I'd love to see that at all levels of Irish society. Okay, so Father Father John, at this stage, what do you think people expect of a priest? I think like the number one thing I think is that people hope to find an honesty within us. Mm. Um, an honesty in our humanity and an honesty in our spirituality. And that we're not uh, like a, a, afraid to share who we are. Um, so I think the best word I would use for it is I really think that people hope that they will see in us a, maybe a brutal honesty. That this, this, and uh, I think that they hope, I think they would see a sort of a, a person of integration. That somehow I have I've integrated, or at least I'm on that journey of integration, like uh, with, the, with the whole person. Uh, that it's not that I am living in compartments, but this is John. This is John the priest and John the man. Uh, I, I think that that people hope to see in in me and in all of us as priests sort of a an integration of life. I think to do uh, expect and hope that that there will be a sort of a holiness in us. But that, that, that holiness is, is not just about saying prayers or being seen in the chapel, but it's about a holiness of respect, a holiness of compassion, a holiness of, of, of mercy. And um, a holiness, I think, is reflected in a deep listening. I think the people want us to be listeners. And uh, because there's, there's a huge amount of healing, I know, in listening. So um, I think the people, so, that I, so when we're talking about holiness, that I think is what we're, anyway, that we are, I think that we are talking about. Mm-hmm. And I think too that, that the people would hope to find of us um, a willingness to truly share, uh, a willingness to allow others to exercise their talents and their gifts, gifts in the now of Ireland. And to do that joyfully as a celebration, and that it would be men of teamwork, that it would really work as a team. And that's not just being, if they have a fellow priest, but, uh, you know, all in the parish council and the finance committee or whatever it is, um, I, I think that uh, that we will be those sort of team people. And I think just finally, I think people hope that we would, we would be people of hope. Especially, I think, in the now. Um, 
I'd, uh, negativity, I, personally, I don't think it gets us anywhere. And there is a lot of negativity out there, and I can understand where it's coming from. But, like, we believe Jesus is with us, that he's not just with us, but that he's in us, he's among us. And Pope Francis, again, how often has he invited us that we should be disciples of hope? So I think the priest has to be a man of hope, to speak hope, live hope, and to proclaim hope. So they would be the areas I think of today. Father John, at this stage, what keeps you going? I think what keeps me going is my relationship with, 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 with Jesus. Um, I, I, have, I have a little place uh, uh, in, out here in, in Athlone, uh, which provides me an opportunity just to be silent with, with my God at different times during the day. And, you know, I, I, I am in communion. I am listening and he is speaking. So I, that, I think, is, is number one that keeps me going. Uh, it's, it's that relationship. And I think the second thing is, uh, again, like coming home, I've just, I think goodness outweighs, uh, let's say, if you want to put it, what badness in our world. But I, I do think the media too often center upon, you know, the evils that are happening among us. Somebody said good news is not news. Well, I think it should be news. And I see a lot of good news in, in, in a lot of the people around who are caring for one another and caring for their elderly. So what keeps me going is the goodness I see in other people. And that, that I feel is nourishing the goodness in me. So I think to, to the extent that I can be, I try to be, you know, goodness and try to be kind, um, I am responding to that in others. And they are responding it uh, to me. Like uh, a number of times, even since I came home, like people have come with a gift. Uh, oh, you set up a little house, Father John. Here's a little gift for you. I mean, I I would never take that as for granted. It's such a beautiful gesture of, you know, of kindness, of of goodness, and um, I just say uh, thank you. I do think Pope Francis is right that. Uh, Thank you should be one of the words that we use most frequently. I thank God for the goodness in others and for the goodness in me. I think that they are the two things that really keep me going. Beautiful. Father John, what would you say to a young person who might be listening to us, to, to listen to this conversation and is open to following in your footsteps and maybe considering the option of religious life? What would you say to them? Uh, I would say to them, listen to your deepest aspirations first. I say, like, give, give yourself uh, a time and uh, maybe opportunity to listen to, you know, to, to that inner voice. There is an inner voice. It's, it's crowded out, I think, a lot um, in our world today. Um, it can be a very noisy world today. But to try and find opportunities to, to listen to the inner voice, and that's not... I think, I think some young people might feel... That's off the wall sort of stuff, but uh, it's not. I don't think it is. Um, so I think number one, I think they have to be try to say, what do I want, and what does that inner, what what does God want? 
however you're sort of, if you're talking about God has been beauty, God has been majesty, God has been, you know, um, awe, whatever it is, like, but it has to be what you want as well. So I would say that for me, that's, that's number one. Uh, two, I would say to them, my experience of the journey has been a wonderful experience. And I would sort of say, invite them. I think they should be invited. That uh, priesthood, ministry, evangelization, whatever title you want to, to put it under, I, I still would say to anybody who asks, the wonderful way of living your life and living your life for others. So why not give it a chance? Why, why, why not embrace it? Um, uh, so I, the, I think that would be the, the, the second thing that here that for me it has been that sort of experience. And, and uh, you know, maybe finally, like, uh, there's no harm in, in, in challenging people. Yes, we'll be countercultural, but the gospel is countercultural at times. Like, if you said to some people today, well, you know, why not join the religious life or the priesthood? They would say, you know, you're off the wall, like, thinking about these things. I, if we are followers of Jesus, I think we have to continue inviting people. And then why not start to say, well, you know, okay. Uh, Jesus was countercultural. Jesus, Jesus challenged the Jews to, to, to change their thinking. So why can't we not be a, you know, strong enough, maybe, of honest enough to, to put a challenge before people and, and young people? Um, like some people said to me at time, oh, well, this whole thing of sexual, you know, of, of, of scandals in the church. But like, what often strikes me is that you know, we've a lot of marriages that are breaking down now, unfortunately, in Ireland. And yet, like, young people will certainly ask themselves, you know, do I want to get married? Or, you know, if I'm in a, in a relationship, is that what I want? So I, those three things, I think, John, would be for me. Uh, what I would like to say to them, listen to your own deepest desires. Try to, you know, to, to discern and to judge where, where, where you're calling. Um, to share with them my own experience and to say it has been a wonderful life and I, um, I'm i very grateful that I've, I've lived this sort of way and maybe to challenge them to say, well, yeah, let's be countercultural. Let the church not be afraid to be countercultural and to be brave and prophetic enough to put that challenge before young people. Thanks for that, Father John. Now, after two hours, I'm coming to the last question or two. <laughs> Thank you very much, Steve, for the time. Father John, the many obstacles, I suppose, put in the way of people living out their faith in 2020, some of them just hanging on in there as best they can. What words of encouragement would you like to give them? I, I suppose, first, John, I think there was times when Jesus hung in. Um, I would go back, I always start to try to go back. Like, I often think of Jesus in the garden, whatever in the garden is he was hanging in. Like he wasn't finding it easy. And, and, uh, but he hung in. And um, like w- when he comes to the sort of uh, the, the, the final reality, they sort of said, well, not your will, but mine be done. Uh, he comes to a point of freedom. Um, like uh, there's, there's a times of things when we have to let go and even let go of our own agenda. And, and, if, if hanging in is where I am at the moment, well, let me hang in and let me hang in well. 
but let me hang in as well in openness. What is the Spirit saying to me now? What is the Spirit inviting me to? Whether it's sickness or whether it's, I mean, people have lost a job at the moment. Uh, people are, you know, with the, with, the, with the virus, people are struggling. Could the Spirit be inviting us or saying to us something in this as well? So I would sort of say one thing, uh, hang in. I would invite them to keep, like Peter, as long as he was looking at Jesus in the lake, he was sharing in the divine. Mm-hmm. And I'd invite them, maybe give them a few little uh, scripture passages or whatever. They just try to keep an eye on Jesus, keep keep gazing, and allow themselves to, uh, to gaze on that. And I, I suppose thirdly is to try and find some sort of, I would put it as a sort of a little community. There's times when we need one another. We need one another just to support each other. We need one another to encourage each other. And I, try, and I, I think that that's, you know, maybe for all of us in these days, the, the, I know uh, social distancing and all of that, but we can visit each, you know, one-to-one is, is a very powerful means. So uh, that's what I would say for the people. I, it's it's not an easy place. and I, uh, But it also is a place, I think, of, of freedom, of, of new wisdom. And I think in the final analysis, we are called in our lives to, to wisdom and to live love. I think that that's where you know, that, that sick person in the bed can, can, can live love, radiate love. I can sort of allow that to, to permeate and to, to be truly nestled in me again. I will find hope. Father John, thanks indeed for, for sharing that journey with us, that journey that you started off with your meeting the Lord many years ago back there in Atlone and continuing that journey with him and listening to his Holy Spirit in all the events of your life that has brought you to where you are at the moment. Thank you so much for that. Is there any piece of music, Father, that you'd like us to play at the end of this interview? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I certainly one of them would be sort of be still and know that I am God. There's some lovely, mm. some lovely renderings of 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 that. Um, that certainly be would be one. And some of those, like, uh, the calling ones. Um, I I heard one recently. You know, I've called you by your name. Yeah. You are mine. Yeah, got, And yeah. if we could personalize, I think that might be the main one. Uh, that African that. And maybe even if you interest, that we could personalize that, that each of us could say, I am calling you John, I am calling you Mary, I'm calling you Boniface, whatever it is, mm-hmm. by your name, you are mine. That, I think, would be the number one. Yeah, I, I, have a, I have a lovely piece of that available to play, no doubt. Thank you very much indeed. Father, mm-hmm. before, you leave, before you leave us, before we leave this interview, um, it's, it's a pleasure and a privilege for us to have somebody like you, and to be, as you said early on in the interview, a channel, a channel of that blessing. So maybe would you just finish off this interview by giving us your priestly blessing, please, for all of those who are listening today, those who are sick and housebound, and all of us. Okay, John. Thank you. Thank you for walking with me during this interview. 
Thank you for listening to the way the Lord has worked in my life and the way that the Lord has witnessed his love and his presence in my life. I thank you too for the way the Lord is with you wherever you are today, whether you are in a hospital, whether you are at home, whether you are housebound, wherever you are, I would like to say to you, the Lord is with you, and the Lord will be with you always. He is beside you in the chair, he is within your heart, and he is all around you. And in that reality, I bless you, and in that reality, I anoint you in the power of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And may the peace and joy of Jesus descend upon you and be with you always. Amen. Father John Roche, thank you so much for sharing that beautiful journey with us. God bless you. And thank you, John, for the opportunity. A voice came from the cloud. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. I will come to you in the silence. I will lift you from all your fears. You will hear my voice. I claim you as my choice. Be still and know I am For I am with you I have called you each by name Come and follow me And I will bring you home I love you and you are Despairing 
feeling for the ones who dwell in shame All the blind will see The lame will all run free And all will know my Yes, I am the peace the world just cannot give I will call your name Embracing all your pain Stand up now and walk and leave Do not be afraid For I am with you I have called you each by name Come and follow me And I will bring you home I love you and you are mine Do not be afraid For I am with you It is I who have called you each by name Come and follow me And I will bring you home I love you and you